Welcome to the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast, discussing all things audiobooks with the authors that write the stories and the narrators that perform them, including a special series with narrator Shane East. The Audiobook Lovin' Podcast is brought to you by Viviana, Enchantress of Books. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 1 of the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast. <gasps> no, you're fine. Is it really that. A- yeah, you're um, my first. Episode one. You're episode one of season two, and by you, uh, it's what my guest today, which is author Kaylee Loring. <laughs> Welcome, Hello. Kaylee, to the Audiobook Loving Podcast. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I feel so bad for your listeners, but yay. Oh my God, you guys are uh, <laughs> you guys are going to have so much fun listening to our conversation today because she is so funny. Oh my God. It's been, uh, I, I've, ever since I got introduced to her, I've been like, oh my God, she's so awesome. But, Hello, <laughs> and you can already see how this is going to go. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we start by having you tell us a little bit about yourself, how long you've been writing and how you got started. <laughs> okay. Well, um, I've actually been writing for a really long time. I've only been writing uh, these romance books for a few years now, but I was actually a professional screenwriter in Los Angeles for 15 years. So I had this whole other career as a writer before this. <laughs> I, was, I was paid uh, to write scripts for studios and for like one um, network and I actually made a really good living but none of my scripts were actually produced into movies or TV shows and that's something that happens people don't really realize that only a small percentage of uh, scripts that are purchased by studios are actually put into production it was a really great and fun job it was truly terrible for the ego but it was a really great and fun job and I was really lucky to last as long as I did as an unproduced writer but you know after 15 years which is an exceptionally long time for an unproduced writer to have a a career in Hollywood I started feeling like you know all my fans are they were so supportive but they were all you know people in Hollywood there were executives and producers and actors and directors and they're essentially getting paid to read my (laughs) scripts and that's not why I got into writing Um, and so I kind of woke up one day and decided to be a self-published author and steamy romantic comedy books seemed like the, the right thing to do and usually when I make a big life decision like that I just kind of jump in without really thinking about it first and I had literally read one and a half uh, contemporary steamy romantic comedy novels by other authors when I started <laughs> writing a book called The Workation which was admittedly like a novelization of an unfinished romantic comedy that I had written I just kind of added a little bit of sex and it was you know it was okay for my first book but I didn't realize going into it just how different it would be to write uh, a novel and I mean, it's completely different. Like the life is completely different and the actual technical aspect of writing a novel is totally different from writing a screenplay. Um, and, you know, it, it worked out okay, like well enough that I thought, okay, I guess I'll, I can do this full time. But then I realized that, you know, I was living in, in LA still and I had this like huge house and it's so expensive to live there. And I was like selling... I was selling my book for like 99 cents. (laughs) So I was like, I probably can't afford the $12,000 a year property tax for this house. So I had to kind of um, pause the writing for a little bit and like, you know, figure out where to move to and get my house ready for sale and sell it and all that kind of stuff. So after that first book, I, uh, I spent like an entire year just kind of completely shifting my life from 
living in LA to moving to the Pacific Northwest and buying a house. And I, I took some time off from writing for the first time in my adult life, really. It was kind of glorious. And I just, uh, you know, fixed up this house and did a bunch of gardening. And then like November of 2017 came around and I was like, I guess I got to get back into it. And so I wrote <laughs> my second book, which was even worse than the first, I think. And it was also um, a novelization of an unfinished script, but that one didn't even have, it didn't even really have a trope other than it had a British hero. The first one at least had kind of a um, friends to lovers thing happening. Mm-hmm. So I wrote that and I, you know, I'm, I'm really big on learning from my mistakes. I have no problem doing that. And I think that I'm more open to it just because I already had that sort of 15 year career as a screenwriter. So I know that I have a lot of wiggle room and I'm looking at the long game. Anyways, I, I did learn from my mistakes from the first two books, but I also kind of went into it with this plan that I would write my first kind of 10 books. I sort of looked at it as like, I would populate my backlist uh, kind of under the radar while I was um, learning the genre and learning about marketing and the community and the readers and all this stuff that I, I, I didn't know as mm-hmm. a screenwriter. Um, and just hopefully slowly kind of build a small audience. And then the plan was always like with my 10th book, I would do all the things you're supposed to do. As a self-published romance author, i.e., hire a publicist and have beta readers and editors and a cover designer and um, be on social media and all that stuff. And, you know, it, things kind of went according to plan, but then uh, like hashtag Cockygate happened. I had written a book called Cocky Nerd and um, I don't know if you about, know about Cockygate, but mm-hmm. I had to change uh, the title to Sexy Nerd and I didn't make any noise about it, um, but apparently other people did and people found out that I had to change the title. And I wasn't even really on Facebook at that point. I didn't even have the app on my phone. And all of a sudden one night I started getting all of these email notifications and people were sending me these messages saying that they supported me and they just bought my book. And um, all these people started following me on Facebook. And I mean, I had this like tiny spotlight shone upon me. because of, you know, nothing that I really did, but it was really sweet. And that, that, it kind of felt like my introduction to the actual romance community, even though it's, at first it was kind of an icky one, Um, but people were just so sweet. And I think I got more fans because of that, because people actually read Sexy Nerd. And, uh, and some of them really liked it. And, um, Anyways, I'm, I actually don't even know exactly how many books, like ebooks, I have published at this point, but um, it's probably around 15 or 16, and I'm like kind of finally getting the hang of it, but I, I will always feel behind the curve because I'm a terrible reader, and I, I know for a fact that I've read and listened to fewer romance novels than any of my readers or listeners or any other romance authors out there. And it's not because I don't like reading them. It's just because I, uh, I usually, when I start reading something, I just get so inspired and I, I, I would just kind of rather write my own stuff. A lot of authors say that, that when it comes down to, oh really yeah, no, yeah. They'll say that when they're not writing or on schedule to write, that's when they'll read 
Yeah. But when I they're have a about very small window. Yeah. And so that's when and then when they're in the process of either outlining or coming up with ideas and stuff, that's when they stop because yeah. it's it's just it gets a little muddy sometimes. But well, that yeah, is... I mean because like I'm a kind of a sponge too and I don't mm-hmm. want to be writing like other writers. Yeah. And you want to be able to have your own voice and your own twist to things. That's a a very, um, you weren't lying when you say you're a planner, um, (laughs) 10 books, you're going to do all this stuff and you definitely jumped in. That was a a, a nice leap that you did there. It was very, uh, I'm sure it was scary at first. And now do you feel Um, better about making it? (laughs) Oh yeah. No, I mean, this is absolutely what I should be writing. I mean, it's, it's so much work. Like it's just, I don't think people realize just how much work is involved in being a self-published author. Like it's not just the writing Mm -hmm. and it's fine. I like it. Like even when you're hiring other people to do stuff, there's a lot of communication with other Mm -hmm. people involved. And so I feel like I'm just working constantly and, and, and it's fine. And it's, it's good for me. Like, um, uh, I don't know if you want to hear about what it's like being a screenwriter, but it's it's uh, literally 75% of being a screenwriter is going to meetings and talking about scripts, either scripts that you've already written or scripts that you could potentially write for these people, and only 25% actually writing. <clears throat> and of that 25%, you're mostly writing um, pitches and outlines and treatments and you know, for the producers. And then when you can actually go to script, you, you write your first draft and you turn it in and then they want you to do rewrites and you're just always rewriting the same scripts. Usually you're kind of working on like the same script over and over again. Oh, wow. Yeah, that can be. A year. So um, this is actual writing. Like I Mm -hmm. love to write and this is like real writing and it's a lot of words. It's so many words. <laughs> um, but uh, it like turns out I it. like it. Turns out I like it. Yeah. yeah. And it turns out um, I like writing about sex and hot guys. So thank you for that. Really a good. <laughs> good You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Where do you come up with your ideas for your stories? <laughs> um, I mean, it's uh, it's. It's changed over the years um, as, as, as I'm learning about the, the genre, actually, because I do think about um, tropes a lot more now. But lately, it actually kind of starts with the cover image. I mm. tend to um, fall in love with a, uh, a cover model, and then I'll kind of come up with a title based on that. And then I will come up, I will usually write the blurb early on. Um, and uh, while I'm writing the blurb, I'm coming up with the character and their dynamic and, uh, and the trope and voice. And, that, and, and that, that's sort of uh, similar to doing a pitch when you're a screenwriter, but it's sort of just for me and it like keeps me on track. And I can always refer back to it when I'm writing. But, you know, I do that now because I work with a, a cover designer, so I have to have the blurb for, uh, for <laughs> I was going to say, book. usually they, the blurbs, or at least a general idea, because I, I think authors all say that the blurb is like the vein of their, you know, the stain of their existence it, kind of thing. It used to be. <laughs> yeah, it used to be. But now I really, I really enjoy it. And I, it's, it's a kind of a fun 
challenge. I mean, my blurbs are, they're long, you know, they're a lot longer than most blurbs, but I, I often just sort of, uh, I usually integrate my blurbs into the book. Mm -hmm. Um, well, yeah, there is, it's, some people say they like the shorter ones or the long ones. I know that I just like to have a feel for the story of what I'm getting into. Yeah. And in yours me definitely too. knows, gives me like, this is what I'm getting into. Oh, this is going to be a quirky. Ooh, I like her heroine. I like her snark or stuff like that. It's, it's, yeah. it's really fun <laughs> for me. And I'm like, and also it's creative on the different, like the one for Troublemaker okay. was a letter, <laughs> almost like a letter. Yeah. That <laughs> Conversation. Email. Yeah. Email. Yeah. And so that's yeah. like, oh, that's interesting. That's new. So I was, yeah. Yeah. And that's a big part that became a big part of the book where the email and the text conversations. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so you said that you kind of jumped into romantic comedy and contemporary romance. What is it about this genre that has kept you here? Well, because I love writing about relationships and that male, female dynamics. And that's <laughs> literally all this is like, I've all, as a screenwriter, I was always very character and dialogue driven and um, for romantic comedy, especially banter is kind of the thing. That's the, uh, when they're not having sex, that's them uh, working up to having <laughs> sex. And it's uh, part of it's the tension. Really fun. <laughs> it's really, really fun to write. And um, especially now that I'm, you know, specifically writing for audio and I have these wonderful narrators voices in my head. Uh, it, I don't know what to say other than it's You're, really, really fun. And it's like, it's my jam. Yeah. Well, um, is there a subgenre in romance that you have yet to write in that you're going, hmm, maybe? Yeah. I mean, right now, romantic comedy and making people happy is what's important to me. But I'm very intrigued by romantic suspense. And I don't know if I would be good at it. But um, like, film wise, that's something I've always enjoyed watching and one day we'll try my hand at that and I don't know if I'd be good at this like I love I love reading supernatural romance I like ghost stories but not like not ghost dick but like where <laughs> <laughs> not where the romance is with a ghost but where there's a ghost and then there's a romance and and the people are haunted emotionally as mm -hmm. well as literally haunted by a ghost. I really love those stories. And, I love how uh, you clarified that. Well, because I remember <laughs> listening to an audibly addicted <laughs> episode where Kim and Mo were talking about ghost dick, and I just don't want anybody to think that I, I want to write about a woman having sex with a ghost. Although, I mean, I, I would probably listen to that audiobook, honestly, if it's actually <laughs> out there, but that's not what I'm interested in. Yeah, no, it's always an interesting when it comes down to stuff like that. I love the PNR, but there's always sometimes you kind of go, um, about that. <laughs> um, sleep work. How's that going to be? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, no, I love, uh, ought to be addicted. We're always doing some kind of chatting with each other. <laughs> yeah. I remember some that episode. Kind of yeah, some kind. But I remember that episode that you're talking about. about that was actually that. Connor's. Yes. Interview. Yeah. Ah, Connor. Yep, yep, yep. So we're going to get now into audiobook conversation a little bit here. Finally. <laughs> She's like, now I'm going to have fun. Ugh, Viv. <laughs> Audible is saying the other that stuff out of the way. Yeah. Uh, Audible is saying that you have 11. What made you decide to make your books into audio? So I actually kind of fell into it. It wasn't something I sought out. I was first approached by somebody who worked for audio rights agency or a subsidiary rights agency to see if I was interested in selling the rights to my 
audio and freshman rights and they have this kind of a la carte thing where you don't have to like sign over everything and I thought that was cool and so I signed with them and I think she was mostly interested in in sexy nerd but she actually didn't end up selling it right away and then somebody from Tantor actually reached out to me directly through my website about sexy nerd and I referred her to my agent and I was very I would have been very happy to sell to Tantor but my agent kind of did her agent thing and um at the last minute got an offer from Dreamscape Audio. And anyway, so I, I took that and I had uh, narrator approval, which was the most important thing to me. Um, even though I wasn't, at that point, I wasn't listening to romance audio at all. I didn't know any um, romance narrator. I actually, I have to say, I actually did sort of know about Shaney's. I didn't really know his name, but I had listened to um, Royally Screwed, actually while I was writing one of my uh, British hero books. But, um, so uh, things happened pretty quickly after I sold the rights and the, they sent me their first choices for the male and female narrators and Mackenzie Cartwright was their first choice female and that was just a no-brainer. I mean, as soon as I heard her voice, I knew she was the gal for me. And uh, honestly, I was a little bit on the fence about the the man. And like I said, at that point, I, I, I wasn't really listening to romance audiobooks, so I didn't really understand just how important the male narrator is. Um, and I listened to, he, he had just been, he, he had very few uh, titles and samples for me to listen to, and he was a really, really good actor. And um, one of the books that I listened to uh, was Romantic Suspense. I think it's by Corley June, I want to say. In, in most of the samples, he sounded more nerd than sexy, and I really wanted him to sound <laughs> sexy. And, and in this one sample, he did sound hot. And so I, you know, being from Canada, I'm like always a fan of the underdog, and I can't say no to people. So I was like, okay, let's just, let's take a chance on this guy. Maybe he'll sound sexy for me. And, you know, I think it, it came out in February, and I listened to it, and I completely loved Mackenzie Cartwright right away. It took me a little while to warm up to the male narrator. And honestly, I think it probably took him a little while to get into the character, but he eventually did. Um, and I liked it. And I did something that I, I like, I never do. I actually like Googled Mackenzie Cartwright and looked up. I found her email address, I think from <clears throat> romancenarrators.com. And I emailed her and I, I was like, uh, hi, I wrote Sexy Nerd, and I thought you totally nailed it. Thank you so much for not being terrible, and really made me laugh. And she immediately wrote back, ooh, fangirling. And she, <laughs> like, uh, she said that, you know, she had to, she and her engineer had to keep uh, pausing the recording because they were laughing so much, and that, that doesn't happen very often. And, uh, and she ended it with like a, I look forward to working with you again soon, winky face. And uh, at that phase, <laughs> little at, did at she that, know. <laughs> well, at that point, yeah, I still wasn't really thinking about audiobooks yet. Um, but I think I had, I was at the time working on Come Back to Bed. And that was my, at that point, that was my ninth book. So that was sort of the last book that I was writing where I would, you know, where I was just doing it by myself and it was like winter and I was, um, it was really cozy and I didn't even tell any, any of my few followers on Facebook that I was writing it. I just kind of wrote the book that I wanted to write that I loved I, and I took as long as I wanted and then I uploaded it and it ended up being a real sleeper hit for me. It was kind of a turning point. Like it, uh, it was one of those rare things where instead of like everybody reading it the first week, um, 
it just kept slowly going up and up in the ranks and people were really loving it. And it, uh, it just kept kind of coasting for a few months. And like after about a month of that, I thought, well, maybe this is audiobook worthy. And so I emailed Mackenzie Cartwright, who I will just say right now, like I don't, these audiobooks would not have happened if it weren't for Mackenzie Cartwright. And, um, and I said, Hey, you know, I, I think that you would enjoy this book. And I think it's even funnier than Sexy Nerd. And I, I want to self publish it. And I want you to be the female narrator, but I don't know any male narrators. Um, so I was thinking about hiring a producer to help with casting. And she said, you know, <clears throat> you don't have to do that. You can save your money and I'll reach out to any narrator that you want. And you can use my engineer. She's the same engineer that the big five publishers use. So she can like master and edit your project. And so she named like two male narrators that she had recently worked with. And the first one was a guy called Teddy Hamilton. And I looked him up Ooh. on Audible. <laughs> Teddy? Oh, oh, yeah, Teddy, Teddy, yes, Teddy, Teddy. Um, <laughs> he's going to kill and me. <laughs> I, I looked him up on Audible, and, and I was like, he's never going to want to do one of my books. And, uh, and then I listened to, like, I think five, maybe ten minutes of um, – Cocky Roommate by Claire Kingsley on script. And I instantly knew like, yeah, this is the guy. Um, and so I, I emailed Mackenzie and I was like, if Teddy Hamilton wants to do a goofy book by a total dork, then I want him. And eventually, um, you know, we booked him. Mackenzie is the one who does the, <laughs> the Teddy Hamilton wrangling. And, uh, and, and I think, um, even before I actually heard the final files for Come Back to Bed, but after they had um, recorded them, I booked them for Tonight Your Mind, which was the, the next, the next one. I wrote my 10th book. And at that point I had, you know, started doing the actual romance author things where I had like hired promo people and um, was using an editor and cover designer and all that stuff but so um I was like officially a professional <laughs> romance author at that point and yeah and and so that one you know kind of fell into place very quickly and then I heard and then I heard the files and I mean I was just completely <laughs> blown away like I knew I knew there were good actors and to be honest at that point I am um, I had already become completely obsessed with Teddy Hamilton's voice and was like listening to so many of his audiobooks. Um, uh, but I, I was just so amazed by how perfect they were for those characters because it, it was different from a lot of the, the other books that they had done at that point. Um, and it was just so good. And it was thrilling to hear them perform like actually perform my writing and I realized that um you know that was the thing when I walked away from screenwriting in Hollywood I I really never looked back and I certainly never planned to to write a script again but I realized how much I missed writing for actors you know even though um none of my scripts were actually produced like I wrote plays in in college that were produced and um and I wrote scripts like specifically for actors that were like attached to the project like stars mm -hmm. were attached to the project when they were in development 
And I loved it. And I, I've been, I've known more actors than any other type of human, you know, in my life. Like that's who I was always hanging out with in LA. And I just, I really, really missed it. And I realized it listening to come back to bed. So that was when, you know, I was kind of bitten by the bug. And uh, <laughs> honestly, I don't know. I think my agent will be very sad to hear this, but I just I really love uh, being involved in self-publishing, um, even though, you know, I'm not literally working with the narrators. I'm just sort of casting and hiring them and occasionally emailing and messaging with them. They're more working with each other, but, uh, but I like it. And it, it's, yeah. it's nice to have, <clears throat> I don't know, I feel like I'm less alone in the creative process too. And it's also really amazing that they respond the way that they do and they actually get my my writing and my voice make it their own. Mackenzie's phenomenal. I love her. Not only as a performer yeah. and a narrator, but also as a person. As a person, yeah. She has such a great energy around her. So yeah. supportive and everything like that. So when she says that she had fun, she means it. She does, and you can tell. You, you can, can tell when tell. they, but with her, it's great. And Teddy's another one. Because as yeah. I was going through your catalog, I was saying, okay, there's a lot of, you know, Mackenzie Teddy stuff. Um, but it's interesting also too, because they, their voices lend well to each other. They really sound good together, yeah. Do, yeah. And it's, I think it's also this that they both um, really, they're so in it. They really give it their all mm -hmm. with every performance. So their energy matches too. Yes. Did you have any like big surprises when it came down to turning your titles into audio? I don't know about surprises. I mean, it's always a little weird the first time you hear the guy reading your sexy scenes mm -hmm. um and come back to bed i mean i think i feel like in come back to bed it wasn't like terribly dirty and i think at that point i was writing more of the sexy bits from the female pov before i learned <laughs> you want to hear it from the guys life. yeah um but there was this <laughs> there was like a somewhat brief sex scene from the male from matt mcgovern's pov and teddy read it and he did he made this noise that just, it just sounded like he was like, really, really In the it. moment. <laughs> yeah, and I just, I had to pause it. I was like, what did I just hear? Um, and then I was surprised every 9,000 times that I heard it afterwards too. <laughs> um, I do tend to listen to the Tandy chapters over and over again. You're not the only one. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Yeah, so I th and then especially when I started uh, hiring different narrators, like honestly, especially Shaney's, like uh, I uh, when I heard him read the sex scene, was I had to keep pausing it because he's so intense. Mm -hmm. The way he do tell, it, just, <laughs> you don't say. You know. <laughs> and I had to keep pausing it because it, I get that's not necessarily how it was in my head when I was writing it. So I, uh, I think I only listened to his sexy bits once. Um, there's like this, there's this post-coital conversation in Hello, Darling that is so fucking hilarious, and I listened to that like several times in a row the first time I was listening to the final files and he just he just killed it I do love it when there's certain lines in a book whether or even some scenes because I know that they're the listeners will be like oh my god chapter 17 or oh my god chapter 16 especially for charmer but anyways <laughs> but more <laughs> yeah. on that later <laughs> yeah that's the other one but also those other moments whether it's a it's a funny moment and they just have 
you know, impeccable timing with the line. And I think in those moments, actually, sometimes for us as listeners, stand out even more than the sexy times. We'll we'll, we'll re-listen to the sexy times more than once if we need to. Um, just to, you know, scientific. Just to make sure you heard everything correctly. Correctly. Yes, exactly. It's all about the science of it all. And uh, it's, you know, again, those lines, but Teddy heavenly has a comedic timing that it's phenomenal. And he has this thing about his voice where he sounds like everything is fine. The world is crumbling around you, but you're totally perfectly fine. Just don't piss him off. I know. I love it when he gets angry. Yeah, exactly. And Shane is another one too that his you don't think of it because part of it is the whole stereotypicalness of oh he's British so he doesn't have him like oh no 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 the bo- the man is funny he has great comedical timing really and does. sarcastic and he can and he can nail a line and yep. so those moments when the author provides those because they started to learn the narrators more always makes me go I wonder if they did that on purpose. <laughs> add a line for them to say or something do you find yourself oh yeah writing more now that you've had more books oh you're kidding me no, yeah no. no I absolutely write for the narrators back for more was the first book that I wrote where I knew going into it that I, I was going to have an audiobook and where I had actually booked Teddy and Mackenzie um very early on in the writing process and like I said, at that point, like Mackenzie, I'm going to keep talking about the male narrators, but Mackenzie is sort of like, she's like my, my soulmate. She, she is the official voice of the Kaylee Loring lady parts. Um, and so I don't, I don't kind of have to worry about her. Like I always know she's going to get it. Um, like the male narrators. Uh, so for, in back for more, I'd, I'd been listening to a lot of Teddy Hamilton stuff. And so I had picked up on a lot of his quirks because um, he does have them. He, he pronounces certain words a certain way. And they all <laughs> he do. Says the word, he says the word what? What? It's like it yeah. doesn't matter the context. He always sounds angry at whoever <laughs> he's talking about. And I just, it's so fucking hilarious to me. So I think I had him say what at least a couple of times in Bad for More. But I also learned to have Teddy say, the dirty words. Um, so there was, so I started writing Teddy talking dirty in, in back for more, but also because I'm an asshole. I also, I, I like, I always challenge myself when with every new book. Um, and so I kind of do that with, with these actors too. And I, I wanted to hear Teddy speak French and I had a feeling he probably doesn't and it would probably annoy him. And so I actually specifically wrote in that this character was not particularly good at speaking French, but it was kind of, it, be kind of, it became this thing between Wes and Lily that they speak um, certain French uh, phrases to each other. So I made Teddy speak French in that. I made him uh, say the dirty words and I, I made him say what, and I made him, uh, <laughs> speak, I made him speak botanical Latin. Oh my god! <laughs> because the Wes is a um, is the son of a a gardener, and so there's a scene once Wes and Lily have started kind of uh, secretly dating, where he's explaining the parts of a lily to Lily, and I I research everything, and so when I came across this, there's a part of a lily called spadix. 
And first of all, spadix is an amazing word. Like I dare you to not say spadix over and over and over again. It's just <laughs> so great. But I just knew that hearing Teddy Hamilton say spadix would be just a really sexy, awesome time. So I wrote that into the, I say the script, but I, in the book and, uh, and I had him say it probably more times than necessary. So there is that, but then also, yeah, like for Hello Darling, I, that was a backlist title and I, uh, I decided to, um, once we had booked Shane East or Sir Shane McFancy Pants, as I like to call him <laughs> behind back, <laughs> I did um, a complete polish of that book to bring it up to my 2020 writing standards, but also to specifically write uh, for Shane East. And, and I added kind of more to the uh the male pov and and so yeah i think i i added in that conversation about um um british uh terms for sexy body parts mm. um which <laughs> was the one that <laughs> completely killed it it was like so so funny and um Oh, we'll talk about surprises. I mean, one of the things that really surprised me listening to Hello Darling were all the different accents that Mackenzie and Shane Oh my did. God, yeah. They're they were phenomenal. just so fantastic. Like there's this Eastern European uh, side character. It's like a small town in, on the West Coast of the United States, but there are a lot, quite a few side characters from other countries. And like Mackenzie's uh, accent for that woman was amazing. It was so, so cute. And, uh, and Shane did it too. And then Shane, I didn't write it in specifically, but Shane did a lot of different um, British accents too for all of the, all the British side characters, which was a really fun surprise. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and then writing for Zach in Troublemaker, I have to say, was a very specific and really wonderful uh, experience because we had booked him, um, I think even before I, uh, I actually started writing the manuscript, said yes very quickly, which was a nice surprise. So I had, I not only had his voice in my head, but, and I wasn't only writing for Zachary Weber, the narrator, like writing for his voice or his um, skill set. But um, it was the first time I actually kind of wrote it for the guy behind the narrator, which um, he doesn't actually know this yet. But I guess it sort of makes sense that I would tell you about it because after I had, we had booked Zach for Troublemaker and I had started writing the manuscripts and I had already written, I don't know if you've listened to Troublemaker yet, but I had already written Alex Vega's inspiration journal, the first entry at the beginning of the book, which is, it's a really good introduction to where Alex Vega's head is at and where he's at emotionally at the start of the book. And then I saw, I don't know, somewhere on Facebook, you had posted um, your interview with Zachary Weber. And so I stopped everything to listen oh to boy. that. <laughs> and it was incredible. I mean, I had never been so like surprised and moved and struck by an interview. First of all, I was so surprised by the mood that he was in, like his energy level for that interview. And I don't know if he's if that's just Zach at his core, but I mean, it was so different from like what he's like in his uh, 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 oral fixation live 
Yeah, or when he's on social media. Yeah, where he's totally nuts and being a performing <laughs> monkey, basically. Um, but he was also just so open and honest and forthcoming and articulate. And he said these really amazing, sweet things. And I've never so badly wanted to give a narrator a hug while I was listening <laughs> to an interview. And I think that... Um, it's so corny, but uh, in a way, troublemaker kind of, that was my way of doing that. It was my way of Aww. giving Zachary Weber uh-huh. a hug and kind of writing him the HEA that he deserves. It's Derps. so cheesy. But he, um, he just said some things that really resonated with me and like certain ways that I've felt at different times in my life, especially when I was in L.A., um, but also, he, I mean, he just sounded so much like Alex Vega as I had already started writing him. But then as I continued writing that book, I kind of, um, I just, I thought about Zach in that interview. And I don't know that that's, Zach is a, an incredibly complicated and very unique person. And there's a lot of aspects to his personality, but whatever was going on in in his life that made him the way he was that particular day when he was talking to you, that really influenced um, the way I wrote Alex Vega Um, in the rest of the manuscripts. And, and I also put a lot of myself in that character just because, you know, being a director is not the same as being a screenwriter, but it's, it's a lot closer than, um, any of the other characters that I had written. So like everything that Alex Vega writes about in his uh, inspiration journal, everything that he was um, watching or reading or listening to, that was all what I was watching and reading and listening to as I was writing this book. Um, But I also, I was also writing about kind of how I felt at different points in my life about love and relationships and stuff. Um, so anyways, Zach doesn't know this, but, uh, but in a way I kind of think of it as like a, a weird little collaboration between, between <laughs> Zach and Weber that he wasn't like physically aware of. But, um, and then, you know, after he recorded it and he kind of reached out to me and I, and I found out like just how much he loved it and what the book meant to him and that it was kind of close to home for him. And that it, it was really it's really just been an awesome experience all around. And then hearing his performance and hearing so much of Zach in the performance of Alex Vega is really, it's really something. Zach is great. He is a very complex individual that has many sides to him, but all of them are very genuine and sincere. And you picked up on that vibe of his. And so I'm I'm glad that, that, uh, that the episode was good for you. Cause that's the other thing too. I'm always uh, concerned when I talk to you guys as my guest that, you know, someone's going to be like, Oh, why would you want to listen to her again, Viviana? But it's always <laughs> like, why am I doing this? Um, no, I love doing, I love talking to you guys. I love learning these things because yeah. every story is different and it resonates differently with everyone that listens or reads it. And that's something that is fun. Like so intriguing for me that yeah. I, you and I can read the exact same story and get something completely different out of it. Oh Yeah. It's a very personal experience. It Mm -hmm. it depends so much on the reader slash listener's own life and personality and what mood they're in at the time and what they're expecting going into the book and 
so many things. That's why reviews are so funny to me. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I yeah, always, yeah. <laughs> I always thought that um, even before I became a, an author who was subjected to one star reviews, I've always thought that online reviews and, and in a way, even like uh, professional reviewers, uh, the re reviews are so much more a review of the person writing the review than of the actual product. And I think that's especially true for books because it's a totally private and personal experience. I mean, when you're listening, at least you do have these people reading it to you and you get an idea of what the but they're the bringing in their emotion too because when the character is having um, an emotional moment yeah. you know if we're not in that moment when we read it we're going yeah and i felt bad la, 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 right but when they're yeah. listening when they're performing it and they're in it and you hear it in the tone of their voice and the tremble of it and their pauses and when they're silent moments you're getting all that that that's almost an amplification of yes. what you normally would have gotten if maybe you were reading it. Not that I'm dogging reading because I love reading and I've done it all the time. It's like a disclaimer. <laughs> Please note. Please note. <laughs> yes. <laughs> As I say, really fast, like as in a car dealership commercial. But uh, okay. no, the, the narrators are phenomenal. That brings that into a different layer, I think, of the story they add to it. And each of the narrators does a different job and a phenomenal job. I love Mackenzie. I think I already said this so many times and she oh, knows it. it. Oh, yeah. No, for, <laughs> I actually just tweeted it. I'm like, hey, Mackenzie, if um, your ears are burning, it's because Kaylee and I are talking about you. Um, <laughs> I hate not being on Twitter. I'm not going on Twitter because it will kind of take over my life. But <laughs> I'm, I'm aware that most of the audiobook stuff is happening on Twitter. I'm well, it's Twitter. all the social medias have their own little thing. And I think with Twitter, it's it's a good little thing. It goes so fast for me, though, that that's where I kind of feel like, ah, where do I catch up? But for those little quick notes, and uh, and I've gotten better at keeping track of where things are sent in there. Um, yeah. But yeah, but you should, you should. It's, it's a little difficult to be raving about how much I loved Charmer when I'm having to hashtag your name. And then I know that you're not going to see it because you're not on there. So I gotta no, take a, you no. make me work harder because then I got to take a screenshot of it and then I got to send it to Sister. Uh, <laughs> well, I am on Facebook and Instagram and so yes. are you. So yeah. <laughs> that's just you being lazy. That's not a me thing. <laughs> that's a BSC. So it's about the end user thing. No. <laughs> now I rave about you in all different platforms. Thank you very much. Yeah, um, really? Well, thank you very much. <laughs> yes. Well, I love Charmer. So Charmer is a, okay. your most recent audiobook that has yet because Troublemaker comes out in a couple of days. So the 23rd of yeah. September, but Charmer yeah. came out on the 24th of August and that's with uh, Mr. Jason Clark and Mackenzie yes, Cartwright. <laughs> Why don't you tell us a little bit about Charmer for those that not have listened to it because you're all going to want to buy it. Well, Charmer was actually kind of a unique experience for me. Not unique, but like I said, at that point, I had started writing my books with the narrators in mind and the audiobooks in mind. But when I was writing Charmer, this is after Sleeper, which um, was narrated by Teddy Hamilton and Mackenzie Cartwright, and that's a single dad, steamy romantic comedy. And Charmer is a follow-up to that. And I and it's about Nico Todd, who uh, is the brother of the, the heroine in, in Sleeper, the, bro the brother of the heroine and the best friend of the hero in Sleeper. But, you know, Charmer, I knew, I knew the Nico character, but I also knew that once I started writing the book, he was going to be kind of different from how he was in, in Sleeper. So anyways, 
Nico Todd is a singer songwriter and a former um, Disney Channel star. I actually based the character Nico, not, not his personality, but sort of his career arc on a friend of mine from LA who was, uh, I was friends with these people who were uh, on a Disney Channel show when they were teenagers and then they went on to have really great careers um, and one of them became a singer-songwriter and he's very talented and um, kind of refused to do all the things you really need to do in order to be like a big rock and he used to like perform at uh, the Hotel Cafe, which is um, something I wrote into the book. And I used to go there to watch performances. It's a really fantastic venue in LA that I started writing Charmer and I was not hearing Teddy Hamilton's voice in my head while I, while I wrote Nico Todd. And it was really stressing me out because <laughs> I, I really thought it was always going to be Teddy and Mackenzie forever. I wasn't really feeling it. And I knew that I wanted, um, the narrator, the male narrator in Charmer to do a little bit of singing and preferably a tiny bit of guitar strumming for like one scene. I stressed out about it for like the first half of the manuscript. And then I, because you know, you have to book these narrators as soon as possible. And I was finally getting in the groove of doing that. But um, halfway, I could, I just didn't know who else would be right for it. And so halfway through writing it, I kind of was like, okay, you know what? I'm not even gonna think about it. I'm not gonna worry about casting until I've published the ebook. I published it right at the beginning of lockdown for most of the world. And I finally contacted AudioFlow about casting. Because of lockdown, uh, things moved a little bit lower than usual because a couple of narrators didn't have a home studio set up yet. I gave them um, some samples from the book to record um and it included the little part where nico sings to shane's little girl and um we got some really really wonderful recordings of samples from really really wonderful male narrators but as soon as jason clark's came in we were like <laughs> this is a guy and I just started like giggling and squeeing like exactly what you would want in, in a response to Nico Todd because it's kind of written in the book that he has this insane effect on women. Um, <clears throat> and so I wanted to hire him, but he was one of the guys who didn't have uh, or he had just started to set up his home studio and he was behind um, in his schedule. So we had to wait like several months for him to be available. And it was, it was definitely worth the wait. And I ended up, um, you know, setting up some backlist titles and audio in the meantime. But, um, but yeah, so that Jason was the first non Teddy <laughs> uh, romance narrator that I had hired and I was so surprised because I, I guess everything else that I had heard him in he you know he has that incredibly deep baritone voice and he doesn't usually speak terribly quickly but like in this recording I was like how did he even do that like he was talking where there were like three characters in the scene I was like how is this one person <laughs> recording these three voices like it was just, like the banter was just lickety split it was just so fast and he you know, and he sang and it was just so perfect and even like strummed the guitar at the end and it was so cute but he was just absolutely perfect and he had already worked with Mackenzie Cartwright before so I knew that they worked 
well together. And so it's just a matter of waiting. And I, he's the only narrator that I haven't had direct contacts with because he's not on social media like an <laughs> idiot. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Who <laughs> do we have to talk to to get him on social media? Tell me what you really feel and think, love. <laughs> I'm speaking for all of women who listen to his audiobooks. I know, and- I know. It's the one question I get all the time. It's like, so have you been talking to Jason about? I'm like, I, what, do you think I have literally a magic wand or something that I can just have the guys? Do you not? Because I kind of think you do. Oh, no, let's just think. Let's keep that thinking then. I think of, I think of you and Kim as like the mafiosa of uh, romance audiobook world. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm more than happy to kiss the rings. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, no, thank you um, for that compliment. Uh, <laughs> um, it was a compliment. No, it was. No, I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, it's, it's, it, it's a small world, the audiobook, yeah. and it's amazing how the fans love on something and start spreading the word. I had heard of you and Charmer and stuff like that and everything and some of the other books. Everybody was talking about the performance and Mackenzie and, and the bantering that you do in your books mm. is really good. Good, And it's yeah. just one of those things where the actors, when they can do that, even when it's done in duel versus duet, is yeah. really great. And I know that- Yeah, you know but that was actually guys. the first, that was the first audiobook where we, I actually, um, while I was writing it, I knew that I wanted certain chapters to be uh, edited duet style. So there, there are a number of chapters where Kat is a videographer. So she does these sort of video diaries. And I knew that I wanted that to be done duet. And then she also like interviews. She does a documentary behind the scenes and she interviews Nico. And I knew I wanted that to be duet. And it was just done. It was edited so well. And the pacing was just perfect and and again what really surprised me about Jason Clark's performance was that he was so fucking hilarious like he's got that incredibly deep voice which he used for Nico but he's so good at doing the little kids voices oh my god yeah and there's this guy named Ricky who's from Nashville he's the bus driver yes. and his Ricky voice was so fucking hilarious and you just can't believe it's the same guy voicing Nico and Ricky and this little boy, Tate. It was just, I loved it. And then I loved, in, that, in Charmer, Mackenzie's voice for Tate, the um, six-year-old boy, is just, it's the cutest thing I've ever heard. But it's also, it's not like... A character. Super, it's not like super sugary, cartoony cute. Uh, it was just... It was, she just sounded like a really happy little boy. And then towards the end, when she sounds like a sad little boy, I mean, I cried. It just was, it just ripped my heart out. Like, it's not like there was anything terribly dramatic going on, but he just keeps saying, I want to go home. I want to go home. And he, he says it, and like, she says it like 15 different times in 15 different ways. And it's just, it's just an all around amazing performance for both. It's, it's so weird, like saying both of them because I think of it as like six or seven. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the importance of the casting that it's, it's yeah. the authors are now starting to realize how important it is. And when it comes yeah. down to not only the abilities of the narrators and doing the different voices, but to bring that emotion into it 
and, oh my God. and they totally add a different layer, like we were saying before, of the emotion, but also they bring the book to life. And so you end up thinking really that do. the character is these three, that, that, you know, Mackenzie is doing these three, and these are three different people never associating Mackenzie with it. And then you remember, oh my God, she sounds so hot, but that's Mackenzie and she's doing the guy voice. Thank you. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know? She's, she's good at it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a bunch of them. I'm like, ah, I have like girl crushes on some of them. I'm like, that's right. No, <laughs> that's Nicole or that's somebody else. It's mm-hmm. real fun. So that was Charmer. And I know that it's still getting a lot of love. And then now we have Troublemaker, which we talked about a little bit as far as the character. But why don't you tell us a little bit about the story for um, Troublemaker? Yeah, so Troublemaker is also set in the Sleeper Charmer world, except that when I was writing Sleeper and Charmer, I hadn't planned on doing a third book in that series. I still, I don't know why it's so, I feel weird calling it a series, but it actually is. It's a series of standalones. Um, and so the hero, Alex Vega, they all take place in, in LA um, in the sort of Hollywood general world that I'm familiar with, but it's, uh, it's not like the glitzy glamorous Hollywood. It's like behind the scenes stuff. Um, and uh, so I decided to just like make up this guy who um, actually worked with Shane Miller and Nico Todd on this uh, fictional Disney Channel show called You're So Wizard um, <laughs> when, they were, <laughs> when they were teenagers. And uh, this guy, Alex Vega, then went on to become uh, a director. And um, I've worked with, I had worked with a lot of directors um, as a screenwriter. Um, and I actually named him Alex after my favorite director that I worked with and based his career on uh, this guy, Alex, who was, a, he is an incredibly successful Broadway director um, who all these uh, Hollywood studios have been clamoring to work with, but he's always so busy directing gigantic musicals that he doesn't really have time. But he's, he's made the transition to like Amazon and HBO and Netflix streaming stuff. Anyways, um, so I, I wasn't quite ready to leave the, uh, the Sleeper Charmer world yet. And I was like, well, I, get, I can do whatever I want. So I'll just create this Basically. other character. But, you know, they're still linked because Nico Todd and Shane Miller and Grammy and the twins and Tate all show up in, in Troublemaker. Um, and I really love writing those books because there's something very warm about them and they have a very very playful quality because of the kids and um sleeper at that point had actually been kind of my most successful book and i think a lot of it had to do with the single dad aspect because we love a single dad a sexy single dad and so i decided to do a single dad again so all all three of these books are single parent romances um charmer is a single mom and um yeah, so it's a uh, single dad teacher um, romance, um, as opposed to Sleeper, which was single dad nanny. And so, you know, it has a little bit of the forbidden aspect to it, but they meet, um, they meet in the summer uh, when, one night at the club when they don't realize that uh, 
They will eventually meet. <laughs> no, they'll eventually meet. No, she'll be his son's teacher. Um, Whoopsie. So they have this like just amazing, really sexy, epic kiss at a nightclub. And then it, the, the evening kind of ends abruptly courtesy of Jägermeister. <laughs> um, and, uh, and then they, uh, they kind of only communicate via uh school related emails for a while and it's really really funny um and then yeah and then they're face to face and there's this slightly forbidden aspect to the relationship and it's um it's actually technically i think the slowest burn i've written in terms of like at what page the p actually enters the v <laughs> to put it in super sexy terms. Um, but I think it's also the sexiest book I've ever, I mean, that's what I'm hearing from other people, but it kind of felt that way when I was writing it. It definitely felt that way when I was listening to it. Um, it's really super sexy because of the banter and the tension. And there's some really, there's some really good kissing in it. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, what else do you want to know? <laughs> <laughs> It's really good. I mean, the yeah. audiobook is honestly is completely fantastic. And then, and it has the, it's mostly dual, but it has all these duet style chapters that are entirely email or text conversations between um, Alex Vega and Amelia Styles, between Zachary Weber and um, Mackenzie Cartwright. And they just mm -hmm. sound so good together. Yeah. But they sound really, really good together. I was they, yeah. very pleasantly surprised. Um, and they're, I mean, the text conversations and emails are just fucking hilarious. <laughs> it's like my favorite. The, there's this sexting chapter um, that it's my favorite Mackenzie Cartwright thing, which is saying a lot because obviously I love everything that she does, but it's it's so funny. And it, and it was, the way she read it was even funnier than how I heard it in my head and the way Zachary read it was even sexier than how I heard it in my head like that. Here's a short exclusive audio teaser of Troublemaker narrated by Zachary Weber and Mackenzie Cartwright. Alex Vega Inspiration Journal, October. Current mood, horny, filled with anticipation, but also strangely calm, ready. La La Land, all of it. Fuck you for making the movie I wish I'd made, Damien. But also good for you, bro. You nailed it. I just haven't been in the right place to make a love story yet. I will be. Maybe even sooner than I thought. Listening to I'm God, Clams Casino and Imogen Heap. Fucking gorgeous, dreamy, emotive music. It complements this feeling in my chest. The one that's finally replaced the closed-off heaviness. There's movement. Something swaying and circling around in there ready to take flight. We hope you guys enjoyed the exclusive teaser here for Troublemaker and that you guys will automatically run over to Audible and, you know, one click that baby. And this is going to again come out on the 23rd of September. So you have time to catch up on the other books that you're definitely going to want to do anyways, because they're awesome. And so awesome. They are really awesome. I'm not just blowing smoke up her ass. She really is awesome. Um <laughs> My smoke detector is going off. Let me tell you. <laughs> Let's not talk about smoke. I'm like literally. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, never mind. You're right. So we've come to this uh, part of the conversation now where it's a little bit of a game. And um, so we <laughs> stop laughing. Um, 
she's been dreading this people um so we have a new game to play with our guest called two truths and a lie where our guest tells me three things about them and two of them are truth and one of them has to be a lie and i have to figure out and by i i mean we as the listeners too because we like to play together to try to figure out which one is the lie so if you're ready i'm ready all right so hit me okay two truths and a lie by kaylee loring uh one I was once proposed to by a renowned older British actor when he was drunk at a bar in LA. Two, I did a little modeling for a stock photography company when I first moved to LA. Three, when I was a kid, I rode a camel in Inner Mongolia. The end. (laughs) Would you like me to repeat that? I just love how she did it completely, like performed it, outlined it, and then just did it. And she was going to be so nervous. And she's like, no, I got this, bitch. I was more um, nervous <laughs> of the, uh, it's the this or that one. That's, that's later. That's, yeah, that's still coming? Okay. Yeah, it's still coming. <laughs> now I'm nervous. Now I have diarrhea. No. <laughs> <laughs> the analogies are very plausible. Does that make sense or another? Um, which you did really good then. So you Thanks. were proposed by a drunk Brit at a place that you're doing your modeling, or you rode a camel in Mongolia. <laughs> it's not as cool when the way you say it, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is where I'm not the author, and you could say it a lot more, you know, delicate and intrigued and with bigger words and all that fun stuff. Plus, you did it for the performance was phenomenal. Thank you for that. All these are possible. I can totally see you doing the modeling thing when you, because again, traditional, stereotypical of going to California. But you're also a wonderful, lovely looking woman, too. So it's like, that's totally possible. Um, getting proposed by Thanks. a Brit in California, that might be I'm like, where was Shane during that day? Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Tell Shane to stop emailing me. He's so annoying. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Hmm. So I want to say that modeling is a truth. The proposal is a truth and the camel is a lie. Oh, the camel is not a lie. No, the, um, the modeling thing I actually was scouted by someone, um, when I was at another bar in LA, but, uh, but I turned them down. I hate posing for, mm-hmm. for pictures. So I, I, I actually got scouted a fair amount when I was prancing around LA in my little flowery mini dresses and heels and red <laughs> lipstick. But, uh, but I always said no. So that is the lie. Well, I was wrong. Hopefully our listeners guessed right. If not, let me know what you guys got. <laughs> but then all very plausible and all very good. That was a good one. Yeah, Thanks. you're my, yeah, cool. So before we go, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you're working on next? Oh or- my God. <laughs> I have so much to tell you. I hope, I hope you have time for this. I actually have, I have six upcoming audiobook projects set up. <clears throat> wow. For after, yeah, for After Troublemaker. Um, so I can tell you about all of them right now. I'm working on A Very Bossy Christmas. I've been listening to Christmas music since August, <laughs> which is <laughs> super fun. But it's like a really fun, bantery, grumpy boss, fake dating holiday book, my first holiday book. The audio will be produced by Audibly Addicted. So it's my first time working with Kim and Mo. And it will be narrated by Mackenzie Cartwright. And your friend, Connor Craze. So I'm really stoked about that. 
again, I heard the two podcast interviews with Connor and, uh, and after I heard the, the first one that you did with him, I like immediately emailed Mackenzie and I was like, have you heard of this guy? <laughs> and she was like, no, but I'm so ready for some new blood. And then not long later, I heard the one that he did with Kim and Mo and I like truly, truly flipped out because <laughs> Kim at the end kept saying that he had all these projects lined up and mm-hmm. he expected him to have a bunch of other set for the rest of the year. And I was like, the Connor train is leaving the station. I need to be on board. And so I immediately messaged Mo and uh, I kind of made up this project on the spot. Like I didn't think really have anything. Yeah, I just, I need him. I want him. Let's get him. And she did. Um, and so that's happening next and uh and i'm giving both of them quite a few accents in this which i know mackenzie will be very happy about and connor's character will have because i do my research connor's character will have relatives from ireland oh, oh. <laughs> you're welcome thank you yes. uh, yeah like it's not it's it's only in a few s- scenes but no, and, and and anything, there's also anything there's also like a grandmother <laughs> from italy and then some guys from boston so oh. um but then i'm also gonna have him i'm making him drunk sing jingle bells so he might hate me but i think it's gonna be really awesome and it's really really funny in the book oh my god so <laughs> that audio will hopefully be up before christmas and then i've also booked uh all of the above mentioned people for the follow-up book uh which would be a shorter valentine's day novel called a very friendly Valentine's Day. Um, that's, uh, I have a really fun story planned. Um, and also the covers for both of these books are just smoking hot. So I can't wait for people to see them. And P.S., I don't know when you're going to, when this interview is going to go live, but like the official cover and narrator reveal is going to be September 28th, I think. But I have no problem with people knowing this now. It's not really a secret. And then, Viviana. Mm. Listeners, uh, after these two, for the summer of 2021, I'm going to write a standalone professor-student romance. And the audio flow is producing this one, and I will be reuniting with Teddy and Mackenzie. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, But I also wanted to get a couple of other narrators in there for featured roles. So there will be around 15 minutes each of Sir Shane McFancy Pants. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> like, you didn't already hate me enough. <laughs> no, I'm like, let's, like, hashtag it. So that yes. No, that's what do you think I'm doing? <laughs> <laughs> Tweet. <laughs> and also, we've booked uh, Ryan West, who is someone that I discovered this summer. Like, he narrates a lot of Flexi Blake's books. I don't know mm-hmm. if you know of him. Perhaps you should interview him, too. Um, yes, ma'am. They're kind of they're kind of romantic suspense, but they're really funny and entertaining. And he just and he narrates them solo, and he's just so good. And I couldn't fit him into any of the like the next three books after that, so I sort of devised a role for him. And and same for Shane in this one. So Teddy Hamilton and Mackenzie Cartwright featuring Shane East and Ryan West, which I think is hilarious and very clever of me. <laughs> <laughs> Can I and, oh, uh, the marketing for that one would just be so much right? fun. <laughs> um, so after that, I will be starting a three book series about three brothers. And uh, the audio flow is producing those two. And she's really had her hands full. Um, she convinced me to do these all duet style. So that will be a first for me. And it'll be interesting to see how I write these books differently with that in mind. And we're going to have three different pairs of narrators 
uh, for the series for each book. So it'll be the first time I work with a couple of female narrators that aren't Mackenzie Cartwright. And, uh, and it will be obvious to people why I had to cast someone other than her for one of those books, but we're talking like towards the end of 2021 and into early 2022. Um, and like all three brothers will appear in each book. Like two of the guys will have cam- cameo appearances in the main, main guy's book, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Probably in the form of like duet style text conversations between the brothers. Um, and the, the first book in the series is actually something that I've been, I've been planning for Teddy Hamilton for a really, really long time, but the series just kept getting pushed back for other projects that came up. And that's why I said to Jacqueline last month, I was like, let's just book the narrators for my next four projects now. So I don't keep rearranging my release schedule just based on these like exclusive images of hot models that I keep impulse buying, (laughs) even though I don't have an actual project for the models. It's going to be recorded early next summer and it will be Teddy Hamilton and Emma Wilder doing it duet style. And I think that'll be, yeah, she's hilarious. And you know, they're really good friends and I think it'll be really fun because uh, it's set in the world of stand-up comics and TV comedy. Mm. And I think that their chemistry will be really good and fun. Book two will be Zachary Weber. And I think we have her. It's going to be Emily Wu Zeller, who I have not oh. worked with before. Um, and I have such a hot story that I'm dying to write for that one. Um, it's again, it's a little bit forbidden, but it will be uh, funny and like, really hot and book three will be Jason Clark and Mackenzie Cartwright so the series will be kind of bookended with Teddy and Mackenzie even though they aren't working together in these and so so that's it six audiobooks all the way into 2022 and wow. I feel like such a, like a grown-up booking everyone so far in <laughs> advance and, you have to but, I mean right yeah. now Connor's through I think almost at the end of January at this point oh I think he's yeah beyond. exactly <laughs> point, so, so. Yep. Yeah, I'm so happy. Cannot wait for a very glossy Christmas. Very glossy Christmas. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing that information. And uh, thank you for asking. No, of course. No, we, we <laughs> always love knowing what's coming up because we tend to, again, pardon me, it's planner, but it's just something else to look forward to. Yeah, and- it's a lot. I'm so excited. Like mm-hmm. I, I sort of, you know, I'm enjoying writing this, but I also seriously can't wait to get to all of the next ones. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for um, taking the time to chat with me today. It's been a pleasure. Thank it's been you. so much fun. <laughs> it's been so much fun. And yeah. it wasn't nearly as terrible and scary as I thought it would be. So I don't buy them some ass. But anyways, um, <laughs> 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 um, if you're not following Kaylee on social media, I'll, I'll provide you guys with the links you can. Maybe you guys can convince her to get on Twitter. Um, maybe not. Who knows? Um, but if you guys are not following her, she's really fun. And she has a reader group where she's a hoot there too. So if you love her books, make sure to join. I'll, again, include all the links that you can okay. find at the website for the um, Viviana Enchantress of Books. Thank you again for hanging out with me. Thank you. And until next time, happy listenings. A heartfelt thank you to all of our audiobook loving podcast Patreon. Special thanks to... Susie Vanderham, Michelle Sutton, Jing Kemp, Jen Franklin, Brittany Cottingham, Kimberly Reed, Leanne Schwartz, Danny Johnson, Christine Cox, Christy Reitz, Jennifer Graham, Cindy Pittman, Mendy Summer, Jenny Johnson, Jesse Stafford, Chrissy Font, Rhonda Pezzarello, Evelyn Clarisi, Michelle DaCosta, 
Emily Dye, Michelle Bestard, and Farah Blair. The Audiobook Lovin' Podcast now has special Patreon access levels. Join today to receive early access to podcast episodes, exclusive content with our guests, and much more. Support the podcast by becoming a Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash audiobooklovin. We thank you for your support. Thank you for joining us on the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast, hosted by Viviana, Enchantress of Books. For links and more information discussed in today's episode, previous podcasts, or the Audiobook Lovin' series, please visit our website, vivianaenchantressofbooks.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a positive review wherever you listen to our podcast. Until next time, happy listening. Happy listening.